0: You're listening to the Illinois Farm Talk Podcast. Here are your hosts, Ben and Garth.
1: The APHA has done a fantastic job. I'm not knocking anything, but you know, I I think they they didn't have a reputation necessarily for being bold. Well, that reputation's over. We're being bold. We, we We got locked out, right? We had PBMs. They steered patients and they stole money from me in DIR fees. So you got somebody here at APHA who feels the pain and who is fighting for that every damn day of my life. But they showed, you guys know this, one year, one state Medicaid, they suck. I mean, not even talking about DIR fees, $224 million in spread just from one state's Medicaid, then throw DIR fees on there and rebates. It's mind boggling. But you know, we're gonna blow up the system, payment reform, we're gonna expose all the dark secrets that we're seeing behind the curtain uh, related to PBMs and rebates and and what manufacturers are doing you know I love manufacturers we need drugs but there's some crazy shenanigans going on there as well you know believe what you know we know that pharmacists improve quality and reduce healthcare costs right um, so we're gonna show that and then we're gonna use that for provider status and it's just boom 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 we're not gonna stop We'll talk about it later with our secret weapon that we're
0: importing from Ohio. I'm looking forward to that. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I am here with Garth Reynolds, and we're here to bring you the next episode of Illinois Farm Talk by the Illinois Pharmacists Association, brought to you by the law office of Joseph J. Bogdan. In this episode, we will hear about a groundbreaking decision to expand scope of practice for pharmacists by HHS and talk about conference and why you won't want to miss this new virtual format. There's only a few days left, so you better hurry. Oh, and hey Garth, I heard a rumor. What did you hear, Ben? Well, you'll have to listen to this interview we had to find out. It's pretty motivating, and I bet it'll light a fire in you like it did to me. Are you ready? Well, let's listen in. Our guest today has quite the resume. A graduate of University of Nebraska College of Pharmacy, he completed his residency at University of Kansas Medical Center and has held prior positions at the University of Minnesota Medical Center and University of Texas Medical Branch. He most recently held the position of Chief Pharmacy Officer at the Cleveland Clinic, which we all know is a huge endeavor with external clinic facilities in Florida, Las Vegas, Canada, London, and on my personal bucket list, Abu Dhabi. He now has assumed the duty of the 13th CEO and Executive Vice President of APHA. We welcome to the show, Dr. Scott Knorr.
1: Thanks, Ben. Glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. We're excited to have you on, too. I've been waiting for this interview for a long time. So I'm I'm really excited to jump in here. Let's let's just jump right in. How has this great transition been going from the Cleveland Clinic and all your past experiences into a CEO position of a national pharmacy association of APHA. How's that transition been for you?
1: You know, it's been pretty good. Uh, obviously, didn't expect when I when I signed up that there'd be a tam a pandemic. Uh, but you know, it's hard to feel sorry for yourself, right? The rest of the world's going through it too. So that's added, you know, a little bit level of complexity to it, and the, the economy, and uh, you know, so many pharmacies are, are hurting. Uh, our colleges of pharmacy are having having trouble, you know, with admissions. Uh, and uh, our community pharmacies are getting hammered by the PBMs and having trouble. So, you know, we got, we got a lot to do, but, uh, it's been a good transition, Ben. Um, it's, it's, it's different, but it's the same. You know, I, I, uh, I, am not going to lie. I like being the CEO, uh, and having a bit more say in the overall strategy because at the Cleveland Clinic, I was the chief pharmacy officer that was just for pharmacy, you know? Uh, and so you know, our, our ceo would have the strategy and i'd have pharmacy try to align with that but getting you know working with the board and actually developing the strategy it's a lot of fun
0: awesome well you know there's been a lot of press around your transition everybody has been reading about your transition and and what you're you're doing there and and some of your your focus and your insights on what you're looking to to do to steer the ship, you know, in the direction that you want to see it go. And I know there's been a lot of excitement out there. So I'm, I'm excited for this interview to share with our listeners what you're doing, what your goals are, where your, your views are, are headed. So this, this is really going to be exciting. I, I can't tell you how excited I am about this talk. Um, COVID has, has really impacted, like you said, it, it's impacted the nation, the world. Uh, pharmacy has really felt uh, the, 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 the blunt force of COVID, you know, in, in all the silos of practice of pharmacy, community, hospital, um, even academia with, with the, the schools of pharmacy transitioning into, you know, remote learning and, and, and such. Has COVID changed your uh, onboarding with APHA as far as something you wanted to happen, but it hasn't or couldn't happen because of COVID?
1: Yeah, you know, it's changed a lot of things for everybody. Um, You know, the first thing I had overlap, overlap, overlap with Tom for a month. I started in April and then I officially took over in June. And, you know, Tom had relationships for, you know, ever with a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of warm handoffs. I was going to go to a lot of meetings and meet people personally. Uh, We didn't do that. I I call it, we had some lukewarm handoffs, right, with Zoom meetings and team meetings. It's just not the same. So, So, Ben, I think some of that relationship development, has been uh, postponed. I'm starting, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, but also, I'm looking really looking forward to, to talking at your state meeting. Uh, I'm kind of on the circuit right now. The, the good news is, all I gotta do is tweak a couple slides and you know put your state in, because I think it started uh, with Jeff Rashawn out there in uh, the tri-state, uh, boy, I've done Tennessee with Micah. Uh, I've got Kate coming up in Iowa. Kansas, Minnesota. So you know, I, I tell you what, though that that excites me. I mean, people are glad to to, to talk to me and hear where, where APHA is going. You know, but back to COVID, you know, I have been rethinking things. Um, I'm I'm one of about three people in the office now. You know, when I when I got there, I had 130 FTEs, and I met with everybody one on one, but it was through Zoom meetings. And you know, you don't have those hallway conversations. You don't really get to know people like you'd like you'd like to. Uh, and then meetings, you know, it it, um, it was going to be my coming out party. I mean, right, uh, the 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 meeting at the Gaylord. I've actually got a twenty-second floor apartment here in Alexandria. I can see the Gaylord and the big uh, Ferris wheel from from my apartment, you know. But I was a lot worse for Tom. You know, he didn't get to have any going aways. Uh, Michael didn't give a give his live presidential address. So it, it is what it is. You you roll with it, right? But but I am you know, I was kind of hesitant. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I was never a big fan of work from home, but crap, it's working, right? I mean, you can't argue with it. We're, we're getting a lot done. Uh, you know, we're kind of kicking butt, actually, so I think I'll rethink things, Ben, you know, and, and not everyone's probably going to have to come back, maybe not come back as often. I'm glad I don't own a bunch of commercial real estate, right, because a, a lot of people are like, crap, I'm not going to pay rent anymore, so it's going to change a lot of things.
2: Absolutely, and I, and I think, and, and Scott, and I do really want to welcome how how well that you've just jumped into the deep end and and just taken it, t- taken it on full force with getting out and talking with the various states, and we greatly appreciate that, not only from an um, Illinois pharmacist Association point of view, but also from a NASPA point of view as well, um, because it's so important to have that partnership between the states and, and APHA. And um, because we've got so much to accomplish, and COVID has done one thing that we may not have thought it would really do for us um, as as it progressed, and it's really shown the value of the pharmacist and how key we are in our community. And and I just kind of want to get your viewpoint because what I've been trying to express to members in these early days, and we'll be definitely talking about it more at conference, but how important. What HHS has done, not only for COVID testing and vaccines. Can you say what you feel from APHA's point of view of how important these decisions have been? Oh my God. You know,
1: I, I Garth, I'm kind of famous for giving long answers to short questions. So make sure I circle back naturally and actually answer your question. I, I kind of go off on tangents. But, you know, with COVID, I mean, you started how it's impacted me at APHA, but then, yeah. It's really highlighted the, the frontline caregivers that pharmacists are. You know, when it started out, I mean, you know, again, you know, I said this in a couple podcasts. This was, this was pharmacies and really healthcare's is 9-11, right? Just mm-hmm. like, you know, the firefighters and the police ran toward the burning buildings. They didn't run away. You, Ben, you, you're a, a, a pharmacy owner, right? You went yes. to work. You had continuity care. You had to make sure that your patients could get their prescriptions, right? Their life-saving medications. You didn't know if you were gonna die from COVID, but did that, did that stop you and your wife from going to work? Hell no, Absolutely right? Absolutely not. And, and at first, we had no PPE, right? We couldn't get PPE. We didn't have plexiglass, you know? Uh, no one knew what it was gonna be, but, but by God, we went in, we took care of patients. Um, and then, so we had safety, our own safety, our customer's safety, right? Uh, pharmacists are you know, great. They started doing curbside pickup. Some had drive-through windows. Uh, and, and then, uh, then we moved on, you know, we have some trailblazers who are doing COVID testing before they're getting paid for it. Uh, Beth, uh, I'm forgetting her last name. I should remember it down in, uh, uh, Tennessee, Beth Bryan. Yeah, she's, she's a superstar, you know? So it's really, I think highlighted what we've done And now, Garth, I'm actually getting back to the question now. So yeah, health and human services, you know, I read that little, uh, that article, you'd you'd, uh, sent me a link on about uh, what's the value of of national associations. And I tell you what, we would not have the ability to do COVID testing with h &H, uh, with Health and Human Services, if it had not been for APH. And, I mean, we we have a coalition, you know, a bunch of pharmacy organizations just been hammering it, you know. And uh, I had an opportunity, my amazing government affairs team uh, got us in front of the National Academies of Engineering, Science, and Medicine, uh, talked to them because they were talking about uh, what tier pharmacy is going to be in when we get vaccines out and they have some tier two or like, no, hell no, we need to be in tier one. You know, uh, we're essential. You know, we're going to keep the country going, right? Without us, we can't vaccinate. And, you know, every community pharmacy should be able to, To now there's some potential issues with minus 80 freezers and all that, but you know, we, we should have access, right? Uh, we are, you know, and I love to say it, it's, it's a great number, 90% of the U.S. population lives within five miles of pharmacy you know, and, and it's given us a tremendous opportunity. And, you know, guess what? So we've had some groups who have some pretty idiotic things they've been saying about pharmacy. Pharmacists shouldn't be able to give vaccines for three through eight, uh, 18 year olds. So, you know, we have medical associations. God knows, I love our physician partners, but they're just, what, what are they saying? In a pandemic, you shouldn't allow pharmacists to vaccinate, our vaccination rates have been going down, um, you know, because people are scared to go out of their houses. And uh, AAP, American Academy of Physicians, says pharmacists shouldn't do that. The AMA uh, opposed pharmacy. I wrote an op-ed on that. And uh, and I think you can't, how do you argue in public that in a pandemic, you shouldn't be able to give more vaccines with, with folks that have been doing it for years? So uh, I think we kind of shut them down a little bit. You know, I, I got after them on social media, I wrote some op-eds and uh, they backed off. They're also fighting us, uh, you know, uh, with provider status. They didn't want pharmacists to be able to, to uh, do COVID testing and, and vaccinations, get paid for it. Now, we haven't gotten that over the goal line. We're fighting, but as you you know, you saw today, the skinny bill uh, from McConnell didn't have it in it and that didn't go anywhere anyway. But you know, um, I'll talk forever, Garth, so I should let you ask another question. But I will say, what I've seen from my time in Ohio, and Ohio's just one state. I know, well, I talk about Ohio all the time. Everyone's like, know, there are other states. I'd like, there are, but I know Ohio and I see what a state can do those guys kick butt, you know? Uh, provider status laws, they got Medicaid, they got provider status in Ohio, you know? Uh, all the PBM stuff they're doing. We'll talk about it later with our secret weapon that we're importing from Ohio. Um, I'm looking forward to that.
2: Excellent, we're glad to know more about that and talk more about that in the coming days and weeks. Um, but you you, you really hit on a point here that this is a, this is a major movement forward for pharmacy and especially for patient care. And it's really a shame that, you know, our medical counterparts and our medical partners are putting up the traditional siloed walls of, of market protection instead of looking forward to how we can best take care of patients. And it's, and it's just really sad that in 2020, like you said, in the middle of a pandemic, that we're going back to the arguments of 1980.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is I'm like, hey, guys, let's debate. <laughs> Bring it on. I would love to have you talk in public, you know, come to the show and tell me why pharmacists should not be able to immunize patients in a pandemic. I mean, Jesus, you know I mean? mean, So that's just a position that it's, it just shows how ridiculous that turf war is. Now, physicians, oh my God, we need physicians at Cleveland Clinic. We had amazing physicians, right? They were reimbursed in ways that, that were conducive to team-based care. You know, if you get an independent physician, they're worried about competition. I I suppose that's a thing. But, you know, the the studies are saying they're going to be, what, 40 to 140,000 primary uh, physicians short by 2030, even if they wanted to. They couldn't immunize every darn patient. You know, it's ridiculous.
2: Absolutely. And then when we look at, you know, states like Illinois, where we have 102 counties and 89 of the 102 are considered to be um, in a shortage and uh, medically underserved. So i mean in and a lot of those counties are not all rural counties ever usually whenever you think of that stat, people think oh it's a it's a country it's a country problem, and it's a cornfield problem. Well, the problem is Cook county dupage will lake the you know the Chicago counties are all considered to be medically underserved, and they all have pharmacy deserts, you know Illinois has a severe pharmacy desert problem. But if we start building up systems where pharmacists can get paid and reimbursed for services, we can encourage more and more pharmacies to go back into communities that have been such high Medicaid that it's just driven them into oblivion.
1: Well, yeah, we've got, I mean, right now we're talking about the racial disparities in health care and issues. Those communities, if they don't have a pharmacy, they don't have that. That may be the only health care they've got, you know? So yeah, it's not just rural. It's urban. It's uh it's underserved communities, absolutely, Garth. You're you're 100 right. And the pharmacy deserts is a big deal. And I don't remember the exact. Don't quote me on numbers, but you know something like nearly 10,000 community pharmacies have closed over the last like eight years. Uh, it, you know, it's absolutely a crisis.
2: It, it is a crisis, and that really kind of leads into you know. I know it's a passion of yours that we have to reform, and it's definitely a passion of mine and Ben's, and a lot of our members at IPHA. But we've just got to have a a a earth shattering reform when it comes to PBMs, because they are abu- ongoing abuses of the system and just flat out stealing health care from people for their own shareholders and their own pockets. I mean, as you as you called out Larry Merlot, and I'd like to know if you got it, if you ever got an answer from him. But, you know, he's showing up everything at his mansion down in Florida versus, you know, being able to help patients here in Illinois.
1: No, Larry did not respond to my offer uh, to come down for a cage match with his top executives and me and a couple of my board members. Now, I will say, you know, I'm getting a little older, but, you know, back in the day, I grew up in Iowa, the wrestling capital of the world, and I was kind of a monster. I, I didn't win, but in Iowa, the big schools, you know, I went to the state term a couple times, and I, I was a big dude. I wrestled at state in Iowa. I would say that in Iowa, you know, because I was the wrestling capital, so I emphasize that for a fact. 105 pounds as a sophomore. And 119 as a junior. So I, I was a big dude. You know, I, I was a force to be reckoned with.
2: Excellent. Because we, well, we definitely need fighters like that as we go forward here. Because, you know, up here in the coming weeks, actually less than a month, we have probably the most important day in pharmacy history coming up with the Supreme Court case. Oh,
1: my God. Absolutely. And I've I said, guys, Arkansas... My home is your home. You know, use my headquarters when you're there at the Supreme Court. We'll get you off the space, telephones, you know, might even have some sort of beverage on that beautiful patio we've got overlooking the, the memorial. But, you know, my God, you know, Supreme Court, uh, the, the PCMA Rutledge is is going to be, that's our chance, right? I mean, uh, that's that's our chance for real PBM reform. And you guys know this probably better than I do. I'm like preaching to the choir here. So you guys got to correct me if I screw this stuff up. basically, you know, they're they're saying that, you know, you can't pay a pharmacy less than it costs for the drug. And with DIR fees and clawbacks, that's sort of the the premise of it. And then, of course, they're saying ERISA preempts states can't regulate that. But my God, uh, you know, we signed on an amicus brief or amicus or how the heck you pronounce that. Uh, We signed one of those uh, and and, and trying to support our, our brothers and sisters down there in Arkansas. But that's that's I'd say that's a bfd man you know that's a bfd so we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to help uh, Arkansas
2: there. Oh, well, absolutely, and and I think PCMA may be a little worried because we're seeing here in the last week that not only here in Illinois but in other states PCMA is putting in state specific websites and Twitter accounts trying to make it look like the evil independent pharmacists are just profit grabbing. And it's the, between the evil independent pharmacists and evil big pharma is why their healthcare costs continue to go up. It's just shocking.
1: Ben, you're, you're a pharmacy owner. Uh, I mean, you're a billionaire, right? You got that Florida mansion. You're trying to shore (laughs) up too. I'm sure. Right. Like Larry Merlot.
0: That's right. You know, I'm, I'm his biggest competition. You know, I'm, I'm everywhere, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 That's ridiculous. You know, it, uh. Uh, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, you know, that's why we're fighting. So yeah, PBM reform. Absolutely. And that's just to stop the the screw job they've been giving us. You know, you, it's just it's unbelievable. And, you know, back to being from Ohio. Um, well, for the last nine years, you know, where Antonio Chacha in OPA and his uh, data company, Three X Advisors, that, that was the first big exposure because it's all been so, you know, behind the curtain, right? And non-transparent. But they showed you guys know this one year, one state Medicaid. They sucked, I mean, not even talking about DIR fees, $224 million in spread just from one state's Medicaid, then throw DIR fees on there and rebates. It's mind boggling how much money this is. So, you know, hey, Arkansas, we're trying to help them. They got some support. The the war chest, right, of the PBMs is ridiculous. I mean, the hundreds of billions, of, it's just, it's mind boggling. The number of lobbyists, the number of lawyers they've got.
2: Absolutely. And it's just, and I'm, and I'm glad you brought up three axis because what three axis and 46 Brooklyn have been able to do in, and, and they helped us with producing a report back in March of last year that showed the exact same thing that in Ohio, that we have abuses going on here. Our managed Medicaid is out of control. It is not keeping up the budget. It's just sucking money out of taxpayers and Illinois is not a rich budget state. I mean, we've just got out of a multi-year budget disaster before COVID hit. And now we're looking at federal bailout dollars to keep Illinois afloat and just keep us in the black. And, you know, we have a continued overrun managed Medicaid system. I can't even imagine what's going to happen because one in four Illinoisans is on Illinois Medicaid. Illinois Medicaid is the number one healthcare provider in the state outside Blue Cross Blue Shield.
1: Boom, right? We are bringing the 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 savior the god of PBM reform and, and provider status in Ohio Antonio Cha Cha the Ohio Pharmacy Association of three axis advisors he's going to join our team at APHA and he's going to help us kick PBM's butts and uh, and reform payment you know in, in Ohio you know lots of states are doing good things so you know don't take me wrong I, I talk about Ohio because that's what I know but they've got United Healthcare Centene they've got employer payers paying pharmacists to do clinical work and I just saw from their OPA meeting uh, live stream, they're talking about how much money they're saving. Shocking, right? You gotta pay a pharmacist, but your per member per month costs go down and quality improves. So yeah, we're fighting hard. The, the, the federal government, oh my God, that's like beating your head against the wall. I mean, I swear to God, we are trying. You know, people are like, APHA hey, isn't doing anything. We're we're doing something. It's just it's ridiculous to get anything done in Washington. Now we have done good work that we've seen tangible results with health and human services, right? Uh, But the states, lots of states have provider status. Washington's had some sort of it since like 1978, uh, you know, and now uh, Ohio's got it for Medicaid. Do You guys have provider status for Medicaid?
2: We don't for Medicaid. And that's something that we continue to work on. But it's more of trying to get some of the bean counters to understand that that whole value proposition, you know, and we provide evidence to them. It's just trying to get some of the old guard to understand to try something new
1: well what what Ohio's showing is just that, and the the insurers they're looking uh, you know we're we're bringing Antonio on for a reason, right He's right. demonstrated the value there. we're going to go national, right? We're going to get national payers to 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 you know most of these insurance companies have stuff all over the place to to spread it you know and and you don't need to pass a law to get a payer. All you got to do is show them a benefit and we're showing them the benefit if what we, we all know right? know what you believe believe what you know, we know that pharmacists improve quality and reduce health care costs, right. Um, so we're going to show that, and then we're going to use that for provider status, and it's just boom, boom, boom. We're not going to stop.
2: Exactly right, and we've been doing that with our Illinois Pharmacy Network since 2005. We worked hard with uh, the APHA Foundation back under the 10-City Challenge for diabetes, and we were able to continue doing that, showing that year after year, pharmacists were able to have an impact on lowering the healthcare costs but improving the healthcare outcomes at every single year of our program, and we're still doing it today.
1: Yeah, and and, you know, Iowa's done the same, so many states have done it, it's like the data is there, and that's one of the things, right, that we're going to do, that APHA's done a a fantastic job, I'm not knocking anything, but you know, I I think they they didn't have a reputation necessarily for being bold, well that reputation's over, we're being bold, we're bringing Antonio, boom, we're fighting hard, but we haven't necessarily uh, partnered with our states the way we need to, and with Becky at NASPA, right, it's like, All this good stuff's going on. Let's get it together. Let's have a roadmap. So, Elisa, I don't know if you joined, uh, she started a a biweekly call uh, for state executives with NASPA so we can share successes. And, I mean, NASPA does a lot of that already, but, you know, we haven't done our part like we're going to. And that's another thing that superstar Antonio brings to the table is he was a lobbyist in the state. He knows all you guys, right, and uh, speaks your language. And, And I actually wanted to keep his toe in Ohio. Because he's doing such good work right because like me yeah i did a residency in 1998 i graduated you don't want me rounding on your mom in the icu right i mean there's a time when that would work so you don't know, use it lose it so i want antonio to you know keep in touch with what he's doing there so that he can you know could maintain his relevance understanding what we got to do with laws and uh and data
2: right and exactly and and i and i really appreciate those calls that you've set up and um, for, between NASPA and APHA. And and I was on that call with uh, the government affairs team and Elisa and her team. I mean, she was another great addition uh, to the team last year. I mean, her years of experience at the FDA is unmatched and it's so good to have her on, on board. And as, as president-elect of NASPA, it's just, it's so important, everything that APHA has been doing with outreach this year in helping the states because there's just been so much information just to be able to, dissect and reform and reformat so we can get it out to our members as quick as possible. And that wouldn't happen without the APHA team. And, 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 no, no. And, and I think, you know, just even going forward with the, as you know, I'll be kind of doing double duty during our conference because we have our, our yearly um, joint meeting between NASPA and APHA board of trustees, which is such a valued strategic discussion that we have. And I think that that's a, it's a great partnership showing how how the states and the nationals have to work together to get this whole thing across the line.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I was not, I always paid my dues to APHA, but because I was in the hospital world, you know, I, I spent my professional growing up in, in ASHP, you know, and I tell you what, I think a lot of national organizations uh, look at the states as and and members as an ATM or a checkbook. It's like, oh, what can you do for me? Cha-ching! Let me charge you for this. And you know, we're all we're a nonprofit, but we're a business, right? I mean, no margin, no mission. We gotta make money. But that can't be the only thing you want to do. You know, how do we partner with states on win-win things? If we create educational programming, safer board certification. How do we do that in Illinois and share some revenue? And you know, what's good for us is good for you. I tell you what, there's gonna be a there's being. Uh, Not that it was bad before with APHA, philosophically, I fundamentally understand the importance of the states, right? And I am going to do everything I can to help our states succeed, and I'm I'm thrilled to do it.
2: And I greatly appreciate that. And we've been a proud partner with APHA for a number of years in the continuing education field because um, we've been a licensed partner for all the certificate training programs. Um, We actually worked with you in piloting over COVID because of some of the work we were doing in our CDC 1815 grant with actually doing virtual assessments and virtual offerings of some of the certificate programs. And um, we're actually going to be working with APHA in November for uh, a a grant sponsored immunization and diabetes program. So we're so glad to be partnering with you. And it's one of those things that this is why it's so important for our members to understand that APHA and IPHA are working hand in hand for you every single day. And this is why it's so important that, you have to be a member of both. You have to be a member of your state. You have to be a member of your national.
1: Absolutely. And you know, hey, we'll talk later, but you know, uh, can we do joint membership? I'm open for anything. I mean, are, are there ways that we can, you know, help each other because it's all about helping patients. I did want to talk a little bit about that team. You know, and you mentioned Elisa. Oh my God, you know, we've got an amazing team. Since I got there, I've rearranged some duties. You know, I, I, Jim Collins, good to great. It's like, got people, get people on the bus or maybe give them the right seats on the bus we've moved some folks around and I think we got the right people in the right seats on the, on the bus. And we know where the bus is going. At least, like you said, she, she retired after 30 years uh, from the FDA. She had, I don't know, four or 500 people reporting to her. She's, she's a genius and Oh my God, you know, she's not set in her ways. She's like, Hey, you want to do that? Let's do that. You know? So, so she is, fan in her team. we got Ann Burns and uh, Michael Baxter and, and uh, in our lobbying group, uh, Alicia Carey and, and, uh, uh, it's, it's fantastic, Mary Ryan. But then I have got I got Dan Slot. you talk about immunization, you know Dan, right, does education. Yes. You know, so, and we had, I interviewed every employee when I got there, 130 of them they had Zoom meetings. And it, they were brutally honest. They love working at APHA, love our mission, but we had some issues, every organization does, and half of them used the word silos, where not everybody was rowing the same direction at APHA. So, you know, I, I found out business development, and education don't talk to each other very much. So guess what? They all roll up to Dan now. They're gonna talk, you know, so, so we've got that going. I just, I, I mentioned Raphael Sainz. Raphael, I've known him forever. Uh, he was the chief pharmacy officer at Virginia, uh, close friend, superstar. He knows health systems, right? And there's a lot of pharmacists and health systems, right? We love our community pharmacists. We love our chain pharmacists. We love, I don't know, we love our PBM pharmacists. Uh, anyway. We love our community pharmacists, you know, and I'm sure there's good people working in PBMs. They need to help us perform them from the inside. Uh, but, but health systems, we have not been strong there. I spent my whole life in health systems. We're, we're going to absolutely try to help our health system be successful too.
0: So speaking of that, um, you know, the sentiment of community pharmacy has been for years that APHA didn't have their focus on community pharmacy. You know, the retailers out there of the world, I, the, the, my peers, you know, working the bench every day, they say, hey, APHA, they've been centered on students in, in academia for so many years. They, they don't know who I am. What do you say to them to bring them back to the table? Because I know listening to you, we're headed in the right direction for all of us. And right now, especially for community pharmacy in this fight against the PBM war. But, but what do you say to those to, to, to bring them back to the table and say, hey, we're here for you."
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I actually, uh, and I've said this before, but uh, I really, you know, I wasn't looking for a job when APHA called. I loved what I was doing, but I'm like, hey, you know, I can advocate full time and they're going to pay me. You know, hell yes. But I I was kind of like the APHA of health system pharmacy. I had 20 community pharmacies. I had a state of the art, 100,000 square foot specialty pharmacy we built. We had home infusion pharmacy. I had pharmacists in any kind of ICU. I had ambulatory pharmacists. And I feel your pain, right? Six and a half million dollars in DRR fees in 2019 was stolen from me by the PBMs, right? I get it, okay, I get it. I, I've been screwed like the rest of you. It's hard to compete. So you've got someone who has run 20 community pharmacies. Now, you know, an owner like you may say, well, that's not the same thing That's you run a health system, but you know what? We, we, got, we got locked out, right? We had PBMs, they steered patients, and they stole money from me in DIR fees. So you got somebody here at APHA who feels the pain and who is fighting for that every damn day of my life. So I would say that, and the next thing I would say is the same thing I say every other word right now until Monday, well, Monday. Antonio, right, bringing someone from the states who has just made more of a difference than anyone in exposing PBM issues in Florida, in Illinois, in Ohio, right, and past laws, the health community pharmacy, provider status, okay, collaborative practice. So the people I'm recruiting, right, the things we're doing, that should show our community pharmacists that I get and understand community pharmacy. I've never been a community pharmacy owner. I don't claim to be. I love our community pharmacy. You can't find better patriots who are a part of their community anywhere on earth than our community pharmacists.
2: And, and I think that also adds into what we look at, you know, we're, we're battling this entrenched Um, ongoing war against the pbms and how um it really impacts all of pharmacy and i know a lot of people still think that the pbm war is just a independent pharmacy problem but it has had ripple effects all the way through from a one store to a health major health system like yourself all the way up to the nationals and i think our chain pharmacy brethren and they feel because they've had you know Shortened tech hours, shortened labor hours. Now they're seeing they're they're being furloughed and their salaries are being cut when they're rehired. You know, all of this is not just for the greedy pocketbooks of the chains. Now, well, some of the chains with three letters we could probably talk about differently. But this is where the chain pharmacists also have to join this fight. They're being directly impacted as victims of the PBM war.
1: Couple things on that, you know, absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, well, Garth, first of all, so PBMs are doing all these because they've been allowed to. I mean, realistic, right, I'm a realist, we live in a capitalist world, and I'm, I'm a capitalist at heart, but capitalism run amok with no checks and balances leads to monopolies and abuse. It always has, right? I mean, that's, that's why we started passing laws, you know, I don't know what, what decade it was, and we have an FTC. They haven't done their job, right and it's it's not just the uh, the the horizontal it's the vertical integration right you know this better than anyone i'm pretty sure where the, the the insurance companies own the pbms own the pharmacies so it, i mean it's it's if if they weren't allowed to do that they, they wouldn't but they can they do it because they can right and the, the money is so big so we need to change laws that that don't allow that but it, it's also okay we can fight pbms which we're doing but it's payment reform too, right? Ben, you know, the, the, the margins have gone down, have gone down, have gone down. Uh, we've got to get paid for taking care of patients and, and you know keeping your mom's diabetes in check, you know? So that's the things that we're starting to see in community pharmacies in Ohio and in other states, and that that's our future. I mean, we're going to fight like hell with the PBMs. We're doing it. We're supporting our Arkansas patriots, uh, you know, but it's, I mean, we're outgunned right, I mean, hundreds of billions, I don't have hundreds of billions of dollars, I don't have 500 lobbyists, you know, I can't buy senators and congressmen, uh, so we're fighting, and that's why you're right, all of our pharmacists need to join APHA, there's strength in numbers, right, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, you can throw rocks and bitch about it, is that gonna help you? No, you know, join us, help us fight, uh, but it's 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 both, uh, it's, it's all payment reform, because PBMs is payment reform too, right, I mean, we need, Payment reform in this country for pharmacy to succeed. Absolutely. I got a little worked up. I do that.
0: (laughs) That's the way we like it. Scott,
1: last time I got here, last time I got here, I challenged Larry Merlot to a cage match. You know, it's like I'll throw off the mouth. So,
2: Scott, I'll say what the statement that I said earlier before we started recording that you know from a state exec's point of view, I love hearing your fire. You you sound like a state exec, and that's what we we need that megaphone at a national level, and I greatly appreciate it.
1: Well, you know, Garth, on that, I mean, I get it. Washington's a political place, but I, I don't care if I'm going to ruffle some feathers. Everyone's like, ooh, you know, yeah, screw them. I mean, how has been nice guys helped us? Now, we're respectful, right? I mean, we're pharmacists. We're nice by, by, by nature. But, you know, if the AMA is going to do stupid stuff, I'm going to call them out, right? If PBMs are doing stupid stuff and, and our chain pharmacies, right? I wrote an op-ed, uh, the, the article in the Times, uh, you know, about chaos and chain pharmacies and horrible work conditions. I read that before I even started. I wrote an op-ed, I got some people nervous. I got some people fired up. You know, we've had chain pharmacists joining that said, I didn't think APHA cared about me. Uh, we had about a 5% membership, new membership bump uh, since I've since I've come on. And you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on social media. A lot of people were like, I'm joining up. And I'm like, yeah, right, everyone's I'm like, check, I'm Frank, run the numbers. Like, shit, they're joining up, you know? So the message is out there now, got to deliver. I can talk a good game. I can get worked up on podcasts, but you know, we got to get stuff done. And we, you know, the health and human services stuff that would not have happened without us and other pharmacy organizations. Uh, so we're going to, we're, we're, we're taking it seriously and we're fighting hard.
0: Well, we've seen great change so far already in, in just a short amount of time. And, you know, like you said, social media is on fire. Um, you've 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 struck a fire and and the match is burning brightly with everybody. Everything I've heard so far, great news. They're excited. They're pumped up. They think that somebody who is is ready to lead that charge that we need with with the enthusiasm that we've just been talking about is, you know, perfect for the job right now. it's It's timely. And, and it's, it's a perfect fit. And I'm I'm personally really excited for the future ahead of us to see where we're headed now, because, you know, obviously we, we need change. If, if we don't get the change, we're in trouble. And if, you know, like we were talking about all, all the different areas and the trickle down effect of this thing. If community pharmacy dies because we don't get the change, the trickle-down effect moves to you, you think the chain pharmacists are having a hard time filling their scripts today. Wait till the community pharmacy dies out, and then they're taking that on, and then they shut down a lot of the mortar, uh, brick-and-mortar ch- chain stores to move them all to the mail order that are vertically integrated, and I mean, look out. Our future is bleak if we don't get the change, and I, I, I feel that you, uh, envision that change that we need. And, and I'd love hearing you talk about it because I, I've got the, the fire of growing in me just from hearing you get pumped up. So I, I really appreciate it.
1: Well, brother, we're going to pour gasoline on that fire, right? I mean, Antonio has a big tanker load of gasoline that he's bringing from Ohio to pour on this fire. I mean, we're going to burn it down in a good way, not in a riotous way, but, uh, the system, uh, not our independent pharmacies and downtown restaurants but you know we, we're going to blow up the system payment reform we're going to expose all the dark secrets that we're seeing behind the curtain uh related to pbms and rebates and and what manufacturers are doing you know i love manufacturers we need drugs but there's some crazy shenanigans going on there as well you know but I, you know we're going to call balls and strikes right when people are doing good stuff we're going to talk about it you know walgreens they, they it, okay it's a low bar but they're like we're gonna give our pharmacists half hour lunch and close the pharmacy I, I posted that article, you know I'm like good job I mean it's a low bar right but you know so so if, if they're gonna do good stuff we're gonna, we're gonna talk about it you know they're, they're not evil right um, but the the payment mechanisms force our chains to uh, to do bad things for our pharmacists working in a chain you know you read it you go to some of these groups i'm not a pharmacist mom but i know some pharmacist moms you guys you read you've been on there yes. oh my god those ladies you know let it loose but i mean it's just horrible work conditions and stuff and so we again we have to pay pharmacists to do what we all went to school for right that's the fundamental problem
2: absolutely Absolutely.
0: Yeah, this is this is just excellent. I, I can't tell you. I, I've, I think I've said maybe a half a dozen times already how excited I am about this, and, and it just keeps growing with this conversation. So uh, once again, to our listeners, we're here with the brand new CEO of APHA, Dr. Scott Knorr, and he has a bright future ahead of him in, in this uh, this seat. So, uh, Dr. Knorr, last words. What have we left out? What do you want to say? What do you want to to leave with our listeners as, as the closing remarks here.
1: Ben, thanks so much. And, you know, this, this probably sounds corny, but, but I mean it, you know, when I was at Cleveland Clinic, I thought I had the best job in the world for what I did for a chief pharmacy officer. One of the reasons is that I was given a long leash. I, I earned it because I was responsible with it to advocate in the media, right? No one cared what Scott Knorr thought, but everybody in the media, Washington Post, New York times, uh, wall street journal cared what the chief pharmacy officer at the Cleveland clinic thought. So I thought I have an opportunity to do good. I have a pulpit, right? I have a, a, an ability to reach people that very few people have, and even the people that do, most of them don't take advantage. And I thought I was doing as good as I could. Then APHA called. I thought, what if the part of my job I enjoy most, and that's fighting for our pharmacists, fighting—it's—it's it's all about patients, right? We're pharmacists. That's our lens. You know, if I can do that full time, uh, so I, I again, it's corny. I feel a profound professional obligation and duty. I have been given a chance to do good that very few people have in their lives. And I'm going to maximize that every day of my life. I'm gonna fight for our patients and I am going to help our pharmacists. I'm gonna empower pharmacists to care for patients because that I can, and I am I, in a position, very few people ever have the opportunity to impact patient care like we do. And guys, again, it's corny, but I, I am driven to, to do that. I cannot stop. I can't turn it off. Until I drop dead, I'm going to be fighting for our patients. And I can't do it alone, right? I can't do it alone. APHA, how do we get it? We, we need members, right? Hundreds of billions of dollars, right? Uh, Caremark has got lobbyists, you know, they're kicking our butts, right? I mean, they, that's what, it's not, it's not. we're not trying, right? We're outgunned. Give us some, yeah, I got to watch these violence uh, analogies, right? I'm burning down things and I've got guns. So I'm a very peaceful man, but I want to kick some butt. So, you know, give us the tools. Tools, tools are good, right? Tools are guns. I'm like guns. But anyway, give us the tools we need. So be part of the solution, man. If you're throwing rocks, APHA doesn't do anything right? you're part of the problem. It's easy. Are you part of the problem? You're part of the solution. Join us. Help us kick some butt. We're here for you. Be here for us.
0: Well, you may have 100 new members uh, tomorrow after this releases, because uh, if they've got the enthusiasm that you've instilled into me after this talk, I think they'll uh, have their checkbooks open tomorrow morning. So it, that's excellent. And uh, like, like you've been saying, and something that I always like to say, patience before profits. And I think that you're going to lay the groundwork for healthcare to re, realign so we can finally make that a reality and put patience before profits. So thank you for the talk. Uh, Garth, do you have anything left here?
2: No, I just want to echo Ben's sentiment and say thank you again for just firing us all up. And, you know, I just want people to understand that, you know, this is a, a joint partnership. So join us today. As Scott said, be be part of the solution or you're part of the problem. So we've we got to move forward. we got times ahead where we've got to fight hard and we got to dig in. All right, man,
1: thank let's you. do this.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We're we're excited. Thank you, Doctor Knorr, for a great talk, and we're we're all looking forward to you. And we all got your back. So, uh, when you go to to war, we'll be right there, standing behind you. Thank you so much for a great interview. Thank you. Joseph J. Bogdan, or Jay, is a pharmacist and an attorney. He received his PharmD D from the University of Illinois and was a chief pharmacy prosecutor with the Illinois Department of Professional Regulation, and has now been in his current practice for twenty years. Jay is an active member with the Illinois Pharmacists Association and currently serves as a regional director on the board of directors. If you are a pharmacy technician, pharmacist, or pharmacy owner who has been contacted or accused of a legal violation by the state board, DEA, PBMs, or any other agency, contact Jay at 630-310-1267. You can call a lawyer, or you can call a lawyer who knows pharmacy, because he is one of you. You can find more information about the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan on their website at www.jjblawoffice.com or call 630-310-1267. Again, 630-310-1267. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I want to let you know just how important it is to hold a membership in the Illinois Pharmacists Association. The Illinois Pharmacists Association stands up for all pharmacists across the state, from community to health system, academia to long-term care. Your membership will strengthen the efforts of the entire association. Consider joining today to gain valuable insights and updates about news and events affecting the profession of pharmacy in the state of Illinois. To gain educational opportunities such as CPEs and certificate training programs, or or to help advocate to protect the abilities of pharmacists to practice in the best way they possibly can. Stand up for your profession, stand up for your state, and stand up for your patients. Join today. Call the office today or log on to ipha.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IL That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacists. And we're back from the interview. A word from our sponsor and a great message about membership, which timely talking with APHA CEO, Dr. Scott Knorr about membership. So uh, what an excellent episode. I'm just really excited about this whole episode. The interview, we're going to talk about conference, something brand new. And of course, we're going to talk about the HHS expansion to scope of practice for pharmacists. Garth, let's jump right in. Let's talk about what HHS did, why it's important, why it matters to pharmacists and what we can do. So tell us all about it. What, what happened?
2: Well, Ben, as, as most of you and our listeners know that we've been talking about how HHS has had an impact on, phar- on the profession of pharmacy during COVID. And this goes back to mid-April, when we had the very first amendment come out from HHS that expanded our scope of practice nationally and technically overriding State Pharmacy Practice Act, which we normally would be concerned about. But in this case, it's actually helping us advance our ability in, in, in delivering patient care. And in that instance in April, this allowed pharmacists to be able to order and administer COVID-19 tests. And again, remember I that first word, order. This allowed pharmacists to be able to independently prescribe for COVID testing. That's groundbreaking enough as it is. But on August 19th, HHS developed a, and issued a third further amendment. And this allowed pharmacists and student pharmacists to be able to administer childhood vaccines from age three and up and allowed pharmacists to be able to order and administer vaccines, all vaccines for ages three and up. And then on September 9th, yesterday, as as we're recording here on the 10th, Wednesdays on HHS is a good day for pharmacy here lately. They also allowed us to be able to order and administer for COVID-19 vaccine. So HHS sees the value of pharmacists as key for the success of the United States being able to get out of COVID. We hope the states start to look at that because the states continue to not recognize universally and pay for pharmacists to be able to provide these needed tests and to be able to pay and for the administration and the product for these vaccines. And that's something that's going to be key. Just as we showed during H1N1 in 2009, pharmacists were the reason why H1N1 did not become the ultimate pandemic as it was projected to, because we were able to administer H1N1 in partnering with the state um, departments of public health across the nation and getting out the vaccine expediently. The only way that COVID-19, is the vaccine, once it becomes available, is going to be able to help us take control of this disease, is that we're going to have to have pharmacists immunizing. As Scott said in his interview, 90% of the United States lives within Five miles of a pharmacy. And that's true here in Illinois as well. We have pharmacies in every one of the 102 counties in Illinois. We're going to be essential as boots on the ground community providers in being able to help assess patients in their vaccine needs, help with getting COVID tests out, and expand with being able to screen and take care of needed childhood vaccines which I know there's been some negativity coming out from the American uh, Medical Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics saying that this was a step too far. But if we were all doing all of our parts as part of the immunization neighborhood, we would be meeting those vaccine goals and meeting the healthy people 2020 goals, and we're not. Healthcare is failing our population and our patients when it comes to public health and to our children. We are failing our children and protecting them against vaccine-preventable disease. And this is why HHS has taken the opportunity to say, pharmacists, we need your help. We need you to step up. And this, just like as I said back in April, with this groundbreaking shift in thinking for public policy, pharmacists have to be prepared for this and be ready. And this is where we're going to be continuing to provide education. We've got an APHA grant-supported immunization program that's going to be coming out in November. And we're also have just signed on. This is a new announcement. We have just signed on as an APHA licensed provider of the pharmacy technician immunization training program. So remember back in January, Illinois now can have technicians provide immunizations if they're properly trained and we're going to be providing, we're going to be one of the first states to provide that program in the country. So, Again, why this HHS announcement is so important, not only just because of the administration expansion and that we're going to be able to help provide this care, but it's recognizing that pharmacists have the knowledge, skills, and ability to be able to independently prescribe. And this is something that we're going to have to have a larger argument about putting in and codifying in the practice act as we go forward in, in General Assembly next year. So pharmacists that can do this new scope of practice are going to be pharmacists that have completed 20 hours of education, and that just happens to meet the same requirements as the APHA certificate, which everyone that has taken a program through IPHA or through a recent school curriculum has completed. You have to have two continuing education hours every year, which happens to be a fact that we'll have two hours of CE at our virtual annual conference this year coming up. On September 24th through the 26th. And the biggest thing, at least from Illinois' point of view, and an IPHA has been essential in helping get Illinois ready. We have been a strategic partner in the mass vaccination work group, working with um, hands on working with the Illinois Department of Public Health. And we have had uh, many hours of conversations about trying to help make sure that pharmacists are going to be part of those first tiers of providers having access to the COVID-19 vaccine. And with that, you know, you've heard me talk about this before. So some of this is going to be me taking my ruler and smacking you on the wrist. But there are many of you that are still not part of eye care. And we're going to be doing a big push working with IDFPR and with public health and getting pharmacists signed up for Siren, which is the public health Um, emergency communication system for healthcare providers, which is usually used for physicians, but they're wanting to have pharmacists as part of this for COVID-19. And we have to get you all signed up for eye care. And that's going to be a little bit of a lengthier process, but we have to get you all in order so we're all ready to go for when the vaccine is deployed. Because to be able to um, administer the COVID-19 vaccine and to receive it, you're going to have to be reporting into eye care. And we know that this is going to be hard for some because the best way it's going to work is still using the website portal for eye care. And so it's going to be like we do with the prescription monitoring program. We're going to have to go with outside of our pharmacy workflow management systems and be reporting into that directly. But again, this is one thing I want to um, reiterate. Most of you have taken immunization training programs with me And know that I'm a huge proponent of this is why you have pharmacy technicians. They can help you with this record keeping and record tracking. So we've got a lot of things that we're going to be asking of you here in the coming weeks and months. Because as you've seen on the news, the federal government is wanting everyone ready on November 1 to be ready for a COVID-19 vaccine. I don't think we're going to have a COVID-19 vaccine on November 1, but we need to have the country ready so that we don't have to get the country ready when one does actually become available. And that's why once we start sending out these announcements, which we're working with DFPR um, to hopefully send out through the IDFPR um, system, that you'll be getting um, a recommendation to sign up for SIREN and a recommendation to sign up for iCare. And I do want to have each and every one of you on there because I need each and every one of you on there and your patients need each and every one of you ready to go working with your local health
0: departments when COVID-19 vaccine is deployed. And don't wait on eye care because it is a bit of a lengthy and confusing process from, ex- from my personal experience. Um, it's not quite as straightforward as, as we would hope it is. So uh, get on it and, and don't wait around. The other thing about not waiting around is you probably need to make sure that your pharmacy is prepared for this vaccination season. Not flu season, not COVID season, vaccination season, because guess what? It's a double whammy. We got both coming in. It's going to be all hands on deck because let me tell you, I'm looking at my pharmacy thinking this is going to be wild, wild west out here trying to get everybody in, and you better have a workflow you better know what you're doing, and your technicians need to be ready to help. Uh, don't wait around till the last minute and then play catch-up. Be ahead of the game. Be ready for it. Have your staff trained and, and ready to to get that that flow going. Uh, so so it's seamless. Um, we want to show our customers. We want to show America that pharmacists are ready for this, and Illinoisans need to see community pharmacists look prepared and ready to tackle this hurdle that we've got in front of us this fall. Now, let's back up, Garth. I want to address something that you said earlier in this talk about the word order. Order and administer vaccines. Order. Let's talk about order. What does that mean? Previously, we had to have a collaborative practice agreement with a physician that allowed us to do the vaccinations, to administer the vaccinations. So how does this change what we have done in the past?
2: At least under the current legal understanding of HHS and how they have put out their opinion and guidance, order means that a pharmacist can prescribe the COVID test, childhood vaccines for three, age three to 18, and for COVID vaccines for anyone age three and up. So that just means that again, you can write for any of the COVID-related tests, which means any COVID wave tests or antibody tests. Remember, they have to be waived. You can write for the any pediatric vaccine or adolescent vaccine for age three to eighteen. Or you can write for any vac- any COVID vaccine for anyone age three and up. So again, that's independent prescribing. And so that's important. Now, some of you may still want to have standing orders that cover that, and that's fine. But you need to recognize the responsibility that HHS has put in put upon you, and understanding that this is something that we have been trying to ha- to get for a very long time, and we don't need to let it go away anytime soon, and we need to keep this. So we're going to work hard policy wise to make sure that we keep this new um, responsibility that is well-deserved for our profession and is something that we have earned and we need to be keep that and make sure that we utilize it
0: responsibly. That also means that we need to be prepared for that word order. So if you are going to put, let's use myself as an example, if I'm going to put Pharmacist Ben on the order as the ordering practitioner, okay, Pharmacist Ben better have a type 1 MPI number that's registered and ready to be submitted because if you expect to get payment from an insurance company and you're ordering that that item, you better have your MPI set up correctly so that, that you're ready to go on day 1 to put your name and your MPI on that prescription transmission so everything's ready to go. So don't wait till the last minute. You need to sign up for an MPI personally as a pharmacist. If you haven't done so already, anything else we want to talk about with vaccines?
2: I don't think so, not at this point, because anything else that we talk about
0: gets a little in the weeds that may change. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, conference. And you know, a a really good thing here, Garth, is all this information we're talking about with the vaccines, I'm assuming we're going to have a nice little educational seminar coming up soon that will probably mention all of this as long as you're attending, whether it be, you know, at your computer or on a phone during a Zoom. Well, can can we even call in? Probably not. It's got to be a computer, right? Because you're watching slides.
2: Yeah, because you got, yeah, you
0: got to be able to watch it, so. So you can use your phone just through Zoom, through the app. Well, okay, all right, I'll start that over anyway. So with all this talking about all this new information with the vaccines and immunizations and ordering, it's a lot to take in, and just from our podcast, you know, I, I can tell you it's it's a lot to consume, so... Wouldn't it be nice if we had a nice little educational seminar coming up real soon to reinforce all this and give us a bit more detail on what's going on so we can all learn how to do this? Is there anything like that coming up, Garth? Yes, we just
2: happen to have September 24th through the 26th, we have the Illinois and Missouri Pharmacists Annual Conference, which, as we've talked about before, is going to be held virtually this year using Zoom meetings and Zoom webinar. And um, not only are we going to be having our annual law review, which we'll be going through a lot more of this in detail, but we also will be having um, over two hours of immunization CE, related CE. In addition to over um, fourteen hours of CE program through the entire weekend, in addition to our keynotes, we'll be having um, Dr. Sandra Liao, who is the APHA President Elect, and also will you'll be able to hear, um, as you heard earlier, uh, Dr. Um, Scott Knorr, who's the new CEO of APHA, will be rounding out our conference as our keynote, talking about provider status. So it's a lot of lot of great information in those two in those um, packed two days, but um, we want you to be able to sit back in the comfort of your home and be able to enjoy this conference along with the other networking um, opportunities that we'll have during those two days. So trying to bring as much of the aspects of in-person conference to your living room.
0: And you don't even have to wear pants. Imagine that. Please I like tell me that. we can leave that in there. Leave that
2: in there. I like it. Okay, I like it.
0: Virtual is is something that we've all grown accustomed to over the past several months. So, um, I I know that we've all been on Zoom calls and we have have watched different things in different ways and and over different types of media because of COVID. So this is nothing new, you know. And I I am disappointed that we weren't able to have our normal yearly experience because, boy, I like seeing all the faces that I know, all my peers, all my friends that I've met over the years at IPHA uh, and and even MPA uh, that, you know, we've, we've made great friends with our MPA brethren over in Missouri. And this was going to be our joint conference together to bring everybody together. And as disappointing as that is, I'm really exciting. I'm really excited for something new and different Uh, you know, it's going to be different. It's different. There is no doubt about it. But make it, take it for what it is, and and make it something enjoyable. Be comfortable, like Gar said, at the comfort of your own living room. Pants are not required. Do whatever you would like to do, but pay attention. Be ready to have your eyes focused and your mind clear. Even though you're not sitting in that room listening, you have an opportunity to take in some of the best CE opportunities available in the IPHA and MPA joint virtual conference. So if you haven't signed up yet, now's the time. Time is running out. Garth, do we have a deadline on registration?
2: No, We'll take you up until probably the Tuesday of for registration, um, just to make it easier to make sure that everyone has their information
0: and has Zoom downloaded. There we go. You've got all the way up until the Tuesday before. Now, you didn't hear it from me. Don't wait till Tuesday. Get in there early. Sign up. Register. That gives everybody enough time to make accommodations for who needs to know who's coming virtually to the meeting. So don't wait around. Get in there. Um, sign up. We, we not only want you to benefit from conference we need you at conference. Just because it's not being held in person does not mean that we don't need you to attend. So, so help out IPHA, help out MPA and help out yourself. Come to conference. That was good. All right. We've had a great episode. We had a great interview. Dr. Scott Canora. I I can't stop thinking about that interview and, and where we're headed. Um how many years have we been talking about something needs to come to right the ship well we've got a new captain at the helm and this is the direction that we need to be headed um not saying anything bad about past CEO um n- Tom Minigan. not, logo, uh, Tom, Tom Minnigan. Tom Minnigan. not saying anything about past CEO Tom Menigan uh, you know, APHA was, was doing great by him. It, it's, we're not dissing anything that he has done because he's done a great job for IPHA. Um, but, but look, Dr. Kenor brings a level of enthusiasm that we have not seen in some time. And I believe, personally anyway, that this is the level of enthusiasm we need nationally to get the troops rallied. We need to get the people behind him because we all know that membership at national and state levels have been lacking. so th- we need something to 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 rally the troops and and this is it. this is the war cry this is you know this is braveheart at the best uh he he's going to to walk the line and 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 that's the thing he's walking the line with us. he is right there. He is not afraid to put his face in front of of what's going on, to put his name out there, to tell it like it is, not hold anything back, and give it everything he's got for for the future of pharmacy. This is not for community pharmacists. It's not for chain pharmacists. It's not for academia. It's not for anybody. It's for pharmacy. Think about that. Pharmacy. Everyone is affected by what's going on right now and we're headed in the right direction. I'm excited. I, I can't stop talking about it. I'm excited. But so I'm gonna have to cut myself off here. So um where are we got you, you got anything else for us, Garth? Or are, are we done with this with this uh, episode? I don't think there's anything else that we can pack
2: in here except just ever remind everyone again, register today and get signed up. And also if you if you haven't, if you are a new listener and haven't um, joined IPHA or APHA on your membership, um do it today. We need everyone with us standing on that line and going forward. This is an all hands on
0: deck call. So we'll put a link to IPHA membership. We'll put a link to APHA membership and we'll put a link to the registration for conference right in the comments for this podcast. So if you need any of that, go there and don't forget, we're still accepting advocacy fund donations too, because we haven't given up the fight at the state level Um, you know, we got to work our way from the bottom up here. State is still fighting hard. Illinois is still working for you. Just like we've just heard nationally, APHA is working for you. We're still here at the state fighting the good fight. So so advocacy dollars go a long way. Membership dollars go a long way. Join us. Join us. Keep the fire burning. Let's do this all together. So with that, I think we're going to wrap. Thanks, Garth. Thank you, Ben. And thank you to our listeners and our sponsor, the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan, for supporting this show. Check back regularly to hear new episodes as we will keep you updated on legislative matters happening around the state. You can find us on the internet at IPHA.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as IL Pharmacists. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacist. Follow us today to stay in the know. That will do it for this installment of Illinois Farm Talk. Stay tuned for our next chapter as the Voice for Pharmacy in Illinois brings you another edition of Illinois Farm Talk. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast.